Welcome to Three Devs and a Maybe, the podcast series for beginner web developers and general web enthusiasts. Now, introducing your show hosts, Michael Budd, Fraser Hart, Lewis Keynes, and Ed Mann. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the however many edition we are into, Three Devs and a Maybe. That's a good start, Ed, isn't it? Well, it's always good to know the uh, the count. Actually, let me get that up. We are so prepared for this, Lou. Yeah, ninety fourth episode of Three Devs and a Maybe. Can 94th. you imagine we're so close to the hundredth if we'd have just done it without realizing? That would be pretty bad, wouldn't it? Because yep. I've kind of, in the back of my mind, I've kind of thought about you know things we could do for the hundred episode. Like I think we definitely need to be in person, all of us somehow, <laughs> trying to arrange an episode for the hundredth. That is like all of us there, all well, four of us. Yeah, we'll, we'll we, see how that goes. Because out, out of the ninety six times we seem to have managed to do it, at about fifteen. I, I would <laughs> love to get some stats on like yeah, who's been on the podcast and things like that, and you know, kind of like what what our kind of running totals and stuff are. It'd be pretty fun. You're certainly accountable for. The vast majority of them <laughs> it's because i've got not not got a life i think that is really the gleaming thing the, the people who have you know been on the least times has actually got a life as opposed you, to me who just seems to be there all the time you don't have a life and i want your life so where does that leave Whoa. me oh oh wow there you go <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't get in of course <laughs> <laughs> oh, but how you doing, though, dude? What's I'm good. Going well, on? We should in probably life? introduce ourselves for any any new people that any yeah, new who listeners, or, the pods. Yeah, or even or even any listeners. We well, let's not take yeah. for granted that anyone will. Or well, they may actually know our voices already. It'd be quite interesting if they didn't. Do I sound my any name more Western? Is, I'm Lewis Keynes. Yep, and I'm Ed, the player man. There we go. I like it. You know, and we make a half of the three devs and a maybe team because yeah. unfortunately fraser and mickey couldn't make it tonight but we're, we're gonna you know have a good fun we've you've got a couple of interesting things lined up which i'm intrigued about so yeah Ed, be a good one. you won't believe where they are oh go on go on let, let, where are they <laughs> <laughs> fraser as it happens as it happens, uh, as it happens, it, as it happens. So you still a bit of the southeastern coming out. Fraser is um, is having a makeover. He won that competition in Cosmo that he entered. Finally, so oh, yeah, he's finally um, he's gone to some. He was, uh, he was fingers crossed and all of that. He was for that. Yeah, he's down the beauty salon having his um, his nails done and um, whatever else people have. That joke's fallen flat already. No, no, it's not a joke though. It's, it's not a joke. Life. He's having he's having his legs waxed. I know that. Yeah, got <laughs> Sorry, I'm and, just laughing. Yeah. Uh, and what about Mickey? Where's Mickey? Mickey, I believe he's having his roots done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not dear. sure how that's possible, oh, but that's dear, where it is. So, um, yes. so oh, I'm Lewis and, and you're Ed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. So, how, Lou, how have you been, man? What have you been up to? What have I been up to? It should be an easy question to answer, but then you actually have to think. Well, what there you got to think about Yeah, exactly. It's been, it's been a couple of weeks now. Um, yeah, it has, like, yeah. yeah. I've last time we were on, I was talking about um, big projects that I was working on. Yes, API stuff. Yeah, I can't say too much about the specifics of it, but I've had um, I've had someone contact me and has offered me some help with it. So assistance, which is very nice, very nice yeah, indeed. Exactly. In, so, so you're saying the shout out in the podcast actually helped? Uh, it did. I just wish I could uh, say thanks in you know name the person that I'm saying thanks to, but they know who they are, and I assume they'll hear this. And uh, we may even have them on as a guest fairly shortly, so it'd be quite interesting to talk about all this stuff when it, when we can. But um, yeah, so I haven't actually been working on that since we last spoke about it. My boss pulled me off that, such is the nature of our job, to pull to work on another couple of projects that we needed to get done. So last week, are these I... tight deadlines and stuff like that? 
it's it's more a case of having a couple of jobs lurking that need to get done and we're in a bit of a quiet spell so take the opportunity to get them done so yeah i, ma- I managed to to build two websites last week from start to finish which is quite cool they're not not huge ones but oh it's but, nice shipping something though isn't it i mean, nice well, I mean you've got it out the door i guess for the, for the client to see and then you know obviously ship it when it when it's there. Yeah, okay one one of them's gone live and the other one oh, is brilliant is waiting on some more photography but from my point of view it's done so that is always it's nice getting that gratification <clears> isn't it you know it's, it, it's nice to see something like out the door people are using it in a nice shorter like window as opposed to like the grueling kind of going through and eventually it gets released or it may never get released you know that kind of horrible feeling yeah it is it's, i was actually looking today through um through my bitbucket account and i couldn't believe how many websites that i've built over the last two years or so there must be about 20 or 30 on there which i don't know if that sounds like a lot or not but it is feels like a lot to me well they're always significant size websites aren't they i mean they're some are and some aren't yeah. some of them are like ones that i've been able to do in a day and others are you know two to three month jobs it seems like a lot but it probably is a lot do you no, think, I it's think a lot? It, i think it's a lot definitely i mean the thing is that you, you've it's funny because like you know you've kind of moved from you know doing some of these brochure websites some of these kind of cms built ones but then you're slowly adding in like the api stuff and like, this adds complexity to the sites and i think that's yeah. the bad thing where clients don't understand that where the complexity gets increased so much you know where okay well now this is just a bespoke site for you i can't you know this this functionality you want is something that you want only you want and you know i'm now going to have to write that for you specifically um as opposed to you know what you can normally do with you know say cms systems that you do make in the client-based world that you can kind of use and take bits from yeah it's quite it's quite interesting because the the specifics of the things i've been doing obviously a lot of times you can look on packages to wherever and find something that someone's written to help you with it but with these apis that i have to work on there isn't really anything out there and, this, that um, may be a crying call for you to uh, be the person. Be well, the it's, it's, this it's, it's, it. a, it's a good challenge. I mean, I, I like to try and write things from scratch as much as possible just be, from from an ongoing maintenance basis rather than relying on someone else. So obviously I do use packages where I where I have to, and I suppose every, well, everyone does, don't they? I, we've got too much to do to be able to write in it, write everything for ourselves. But... Standing on the shoulders of giants where they, they, <laughs> they give us a lot of the help, but we have to... Maybe if it's just the assembly of these packages, kind of putting them together as, as, you know, the puzzle pieces are, you know, kind of like Lego fit, you know, Lego clicking them all together. Or in the sense that we build something that maybe that maybe we don't find something on packages and we have to then build our own piece, but then we can share it with the world and it goes around that ecosystem, the open source ecosystem. It'd be cool. It's, it's really bad. I, I haven't done any open source code at all. And it's not because I haven't meant to. It's just literally haven't had the opportunity to. I think it is finding it's hard because as you say your your initial reaction is okay I have a problem let's see if there's a package that solves this for me they is like working with the library or something and nine times out of ten there will always be there will already be something out there and it's already got a good mind share and heads you know head share and like the popularity of it's good and there may be a couple of them there may be a couple of ones you know competing it out for the top spot but yeah I mean typically you'll find something but you know there will be those times where you're like ah no this is a real problem I can solve and you write something and maybe hopefully this will be you know these API ones you're looking at now hopefully there'll be a couple of attractions out there that you can you know piece it together and put in as an open source package and release because it starts off with one commit and then other people will come along and they hopefully will you know to get tracked you know the project will get traction and then it will just build up from there and I have to admit I do wonder if the if the people will come along for this this kind of stuff it doesn't seem to be as popular in terms of an activity that developers seem to be doing as some of the other things like i don't know integrating social media or whatever 
I think that's the yeah. Th- those are the the bread and butter, aren't they? Kind of adding in these social integration endpoints and stuff and putting them into the systems but yeah having the things you're dealing with which is like stuff like you know property things i mean they are quite specific but they are so complex (laughs) you know and i think the people who will need help i mean this this may be in case be you know a blog series or something like that where you discuss kind of your trials and tribulations throughout you know the process yeah there's Um, there's so much stuff i want to i've i want to blog and write tutorials for how, I kind how, of, are you jotting them down how, how do you kind of do that you know when you think of it because like, I, I typically when i think of an idea i like write just a quick note in a text file i've got i, like, I oh, email it to myself and i just yeah. keep replying to it and sending it back every time i think of something else so that's good and got, then, but then unfortunately eventually you've got and got to think okay crap i've actually got to write something now it's like oh, yeah. I, I better i better stop making this this is not an infinite list i better make this thing finite and actually do <laughs> and pop one off the top one thing that i do use in my projects now actually which I would consider probably using for open source is, do you remember me saying last week that I've been writing an NPM script to get away from using Gulp? Yeah. How's that going? It's going really well. It, it works fine. Actually. It's, it's cool. I wanted to get away from Gulp because there seems to be a consensus and I've read a few things that obviously if you're using something like Gulp, you're then using Gulp plugins and then you're relying on the maintainer of the Gulp plugin. Who's then reliant on whoever thing, who's ever uh, product that they're wrapping. So you're kind of relying on two levels of of developer to kind of maintain whatever you're using. Yeah. So I had this idea that I would... And also, again, I didn't really seem to find anything out there that was just an NPM script that, you know, uses the main things that we want to use, like Browserify and Babel and watching file changes and SAS and stuff like that. So the one that I've written does all that. So it's oh, probably... Awesome. How, how are you doing your Browserify stuff, uh, uh, can I ask? Like, are you using Babelfy? I am using. Let me get it open. Bear with me. Because it's an interesting, this is a little interesting tangent here. Because um, I, I was recently, like last week on Friday, I was able to spend a little time just kind of think plotting out a blog post for work. And I was, I made like a really simple, I don't know if I've sent it to you, Fun With Flags game. Um, <laughs> what, from the Big Bang Theory? From the Big Bang Theory. There, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's the reference. Uh, you know, and it was so essentially, it's just a simple React uh, React application that, allow, you know, is a guessing game for flags um mm. you know using the emojis and stuff and i didn't want to go through the process of using webpack and things like that i wanted to have a bit of a, a bit more of a simple process and yeah. i ended up using browserify so yeah it's int- so how do you go through like using Babel and then browserifying it so basically i've made my own module which brings in brow- just literally npm browserify and uh and Babelify as well and then what i basically and watchify sorry as well ah so you can watch the files changing and stuff like that yeah, exactly. So I, I use the um, the browserify bit to you know you've got you can pass transform to it. Yep. And then I pass that Babelify with um, presets of ES two thousand fifteen and React, so it does React as well. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean that's great because that's interesting. You actually use that way because that that was the way I was going to use it, but then mm-hmm. I ended up that the way that I needed it was quite simple. It wasn't like I didn't need like watching. I didn't really want. I just wanted to build it, and you can actually use that just through the command line, like the browser file, and then pass in the transformer, which is Babelfy. But yeah. your way seems more because you're using a real script as opposed to just using you know the package JSON script, just using a, a running command. Yeah, your well, I've done more I've... extensible. I've done that as well, but uh, I wanted to mess around with the API a bit more. And you're only it gives you more flexibility. Absolutely, it gives you far more flexibility. I mean, when you're writing code, and I think that's one of the nice things about these configs that are code is that you can then, you know, like configs that are code. You know, where you have like JSON. You know, as long as it returns a JSON object, 
it can execute that. But also with things like this, where your processes, you can use them in Unix, you know, the Unix world of just running the pro- the commands and running the processes, you know, like Browserify and Babel and stuff like that from the command line. But you can then actually just import the packages and then do it that way, which gives you far more flexibility because maybe you're going to be conditionally adding things and things like that if, you know, you're tacking on parameters and arguments, etc. That's exactly it. That's what mine does. I've, I basically... I, I I use a an npm script in the package JSON file to to start everything off, and then it basically gets uh, gets my SAS files running. It builds a load of directories out, puts stuff in a source and and destination directory, and then does the same with um with my JavaScript. It also it makes a bundled file out of like the the um Bowser stuff that I not Bowser Bower stuff that I bring in and any kind of GitHub things that I use as well. I tend to package those up now and use that just to just obviously reduce the amount of HTTP calls. And I've got a notifier thing that I use to tell me when I've broken something. I use, oh, I use browser sync as well. I talk about that a lot. So it fires that up, which is so good. If you, if you, if you not use browser, if I, uh, browser sync edge, you really must. Uh, so we, we don't read browser sync because it's, it's the pushing, isn't it? It changes because I think Webpack Hot does that as well. Oh, does pushes, it? Yeah, it pushes thing. it directly to the browser. So it uses a WebSocket. I think, is that bro- what browser yeah, that's does it. as well? Yeah. yeah. Very cool technology. It's Very just amazing cool. that you can just have everything open and you just hit save on the keyboard and you just see it all update and you haven't got to Hot do all the continually, yeah. yeah, continually reloading the page and stuff like that. Um, yeah, and what else does it do? Uh, well, yeah, that's it. It uses browser sync. So, yeah, I think you definitely need to release that, man, because it seems interesting. Because, I mean, if you've been getting a win out of it from, you know, moving from Gulp to this, it's definitely something to open source or at least gist it and then, you know, send it out on Twitter or just write a blog post on it. Yeah, well, what's your, what's your thoughts on, on doing that, like coming away from Gulp and things like well, that? I mean, to be honest, I think that's great. I mean, it's whatever works for you. The thing is, is that you get things like Webpack and the bigger systems, you know, and then you've got Browserify and then you've got, then you get these task runners, which are like the gulps of the mm. world. And you can use, you got gulps very good for these small little tasks, I guess. And you, But really, NPM and no, NPM does that already, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Because you can NPM run and you can just run scripts, which are essentially, you know, they're not programmed. They're not like coded in the gulp way of having... I know with Gulp you can do piping and things like that, but they're not, you know, programmed to whatever Gulp specification is. They're just scripts that you can run. So you can just pass it a script like you're doing and make it run that. Um, yeah. You know, and it's just npm's run, whatever, run, whatever this. And you can say run build and, you know, I want it to make it, this is how you build it, this is how you do that. And I think that stays away from being too specific on things because it changes so quick, doesn't it, where you get like yeah. grunt and you get gulp and you can then use things like, you know, webpack, which then webpack has its own bin, you know, which you can then just use, you know, npm run build and then webpack will build its things and stuff. Um, and I don't know what the wins are now of actually using gulp. Like... I mean, I'm I'm talking probably naively here because I haven't really used it too much. But, you know, like, I think the wins were initially that like, you could pipe things through similar to how you do in a Unix life, you know, Unix system. Yeah. And then you can have, like, tiny modules. Like, but the way you're crafting your current scripts seems more flexible and more in line with the fact that I'm just agnostic to any kind of task runner platform. It's just a script that you can run from the command line. It just so happens that I've got it in NPM run to, you know, make it easier for me. Yeah, I'm not. To be honest, I'm not loving npm a lot at the moment. Anyway, it's 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 in, actually you said last week about the um the package that caught. Oh yes, the pad left package. <laughs> well, I, oh pad left. I've I've got one as well that in that I use in my product. Funny enough, when I'm 
in this thing, I'm using a package called Concat, NPM Concat. And it and it's the thing that I use for all my um, JavaScript dependency files to just bundle them all up. And um, I just literally made a fresh install for a new site that I was doing the other day. And fair enough, I couldn't. And then I couldn't run npm install because this concat thing was now not. Oh, have not, they removed it, it as well? It. Yeah. yeah, I actually looked on the on the npm site. Yeah, they've just taken it down. So I'm. Did, did, got, did was that before? Because I know they've done like npm have actually done some more been a bit bit more strict on when they removed them you know asking the person who's going to remove it that you know they either keep it up for a while themselves or that they send it over to someone else you can like give out maintainer access to someone else i'm just having a little look now um this package name is not currently in use but was formerly occupied by a popular popular package to avoid malicious use npm is hanging on to the package name but loosely and will probably give it to you if you want it what so, you, so it can't. So, ah, that's interesting. So, you can't because because a concat is a quite a nice name. It's a small name and everything. It seems very popular in itself. Yeah, that could be why they're doing it, as opposed to what I I would hope they'll do is that they keep it around saying, "Well, you've you've removed it." It's hard though, again, for them because they're using GitHub as an external remote resource for it. So, you know, you publish your package on npm, but really the backing of where how it where it gets downloaded from is GitHub. So, if they remove it from GitHub, which has no care, you know, about it being on <laughs> npm, then they either cache it, you know, npm has to cache it themselves or what I think you end up having to do yourself and it seems, you know, I mean, this is kind of what happens in all of these dependency, you know, when you're downloading these dependencies and stuff. Probably having your own cache of them yourself a private cache yeah so yeah so i know that in the, the composer world they have geordie makes like a, a well, it's paid for service like tor proxy which is kind of you put that in between and what it does is then it that caches all of the composer assets which makes it quicker so say that you know in between your dev environment or your environment you have this tor proxy and then you have the real world it can cache those assets for you on the tor proxy making mm-hmm. it quicker for you then to you know what happens if you know github does go down or they delete their package and you've just done an npm install and you want to p- push this to production you're screwed yeah. you are screwed no. like you know that's why having these cached versions is a really useful thing um you know whether you do that based on just the fact of i mean you can add a, a caching layer yourself really i suppose you know you could have like a, a php cache layer and it would just obviously when you know it would just keep make sure that it looks for only ones from these domains like anything from github that's a uh, a release maybe it caches those um and but but then also maybe an, another way and i know this actually uh, burnt mickey this week i think was um it's having two versions like the scariest thing to do is to kind of do an npm install or a composer install on a live site you know where you just go okay i'm in now i want a composer install and you're on a live site and you're just replacing those files and the issue then is what happens if it goes into a balk state and it buggers up and it's like yeah npm install oh i'm trying to download this new version i've removed the old version for some reason but i I can't get the new version i'm just going to break the whole site and you're like ah crap what you want to do is kind of like what we do so my builder what we do and it's, it's a very simple easy thing but it works so well it's you 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 know you do your build through jenkins or whatever or however you do it you push it up with the vendors so it's pushed up all of it that's a snapshot of that thing you know it's that commit with all those composer install vendors it's all on there are synced it has a version you know we have like 763 and then we have a sim link of what live is and we just switch it to 7.63 if if it works else it doesn't so obviously what will then be nice thing is that you're not then going on the box to find out when you're trying to run it on production crap 
the install is not working it's actually you know happening beforehand so you can you know any any tweaks any problems you have i mean obviously when you do hot fixes and things like that um you know and then the per- the version's balked then again this is when you need the caching in between but yeah i mean this is the trouble with using other people's stuff is it can go away it's always the risk isn't it it's always the risk always the risk unless you but, cache it yourself unless you you know you you clone a copy you fork a copy or something but typically what happens is if it goes from github it's gone and then you're like ah oh, crap and i mean one you know like you're then looking through your vendor directory or your you know npm your node modules directory on your dev to try and find the file because <laughs> you're like oh, i need that file somewhere do you ever use like npm shrink wrap i haven't yet actually that is a good idea for um, snapshotting things where the nice thing about a composer lock file is you get the hashes in there. And the composer lock file literally says to... Ah, uh, you were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, the, we, we, we kind of had the problems with it because going from composer to NPM and realizing actually we really like composer. Like composer is a really nice system uh, because, you know, using the lock file, using the hashes in there, it's got links to directly to the file, the hashed, you know, this is the commit I want. This is the release I want you to download. This is exactly it. Because even though in your composer JSON file, you may have, oh, I need at least version 1.2. Mm-hmm. Um, if I do a composer, you know, a composer install in my box without a lock file, and then you a couple of weeks later do a composer install without a composer lock file on it, you may get version one point three because I've said, you know, it, and not strictly, I've just said, look, it needs to be one point at least one point two. But when you're doing releases and stuff, you want to make damn sure that it's using the exact same version. You want to have control over that. You don't want to yes. be like on oh, my dev box, even though it may be minor versions. You know, you can do that. There's still that thing of, I want to know exactly, I want to be testing. When I'm running my Jenkins builds, I'm using the exact same version dependencies as opposed as what I'm using on live and on dev. And so that way then, this way with, uh, sorry, with Compose Locks, you get that. But with uh, NPM Shrink Wrap, that's when you get that with NPM as well. And what it then does is it goes through and says, okay, these are the exact snap, these are the versions you want of it exactly so when you do an npm install that time with a shrink wrap file in there it then goes okay i know you want these files i know you want these versions of these these you know these dependencies as opposed to whatever newer version it could be or whatever so Mm. it's definitely something to consider um because that will call you know i mean working in more you know in a team-based setting that definitely you know trips us up a couple of times has already you know in the past without having a shrink wrap file because we're like oh okay i'm actually using you know this version because our dependency is not very strict on it it's just saying i want you you know to use at least version four something and it's like oh no actually you know it turns out that you were using version 4.1 i was using 4.2 so yeah having a shrink wrap file is very important but and also maybe considering caching these files you know the assets the the, the vendor directories and stuff and keeping yeah. them um but no it's, it's an interesting topic because you know we move we move away into this world of dependencies and giving kind of a lot of our trust goes into these dependencies like trusting that these are going to be around and stuff and the amount of times you get people going ah crap github's down i can't do this npm install or i can't do this composer install and got my people my vendor venture capitalist looking at my company or angel investors looking at my company right now and the website you know i need to get this live for you know a meeting or something and you're like <laughs> yeah you need to really consider this is the this is the downfall of using these things so uh, yeah i don't know what the you know you can't really get away from it though can you That's the only the way is thing. caching it the only way is caching it using something like the tor proxy in the case of composer um and then have or have been running your own system like that where you know when you're downloading it you are then essentially getting that commit of that i mean what you could do is you you know with with a composer lock file essentially what happens with a composer lock file is that is the snapshot of everything so the hash of that 
which it gives you saying that this is this version you could actually maybe store that hat that the whole vendor directory as that hash in a zip file like on maybe an external service like s3 and then it would download that as well with it if it needed it so you could keep an update like this is that snapshot of that i mean that's something to look at maybe that's something how well i'm not sure then i, I think i think uh, tor proxy is definitely a bit more you know clever in the way it does it but you could do that where it's just like look this is this vendor directory with this hash get the whole thing again and then you wouldn't have that problem you know for that snapshot but yeah anyway yeah <laughs> going into the going into that, that world yeah i mean actually so moving on from that yeah. have you uh, so i've sent you a link uh the fun with flags game uh-huh do you want to give it a try this always oh. makes good podcasting material when someone's doing something that is needs to be visual edman.com fun shall i describe it as it's happening you're more than welcome to uh <laughs> Okay, edman.com forward slash fun dash with dash flags. Fun with flags, button, start. Are we ready? Are we ready, everyone? Here we go. Start. Oh! Um, <laughs> I, 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 I found a list. So the, the cheat is, if you do get stuck, just look in console log. It may no, give no, you no, some no. hints. I can do this. It's green on... It's green on the... I don't think I've ever seen that flag. Green outside with white in the middle. So it's green, white, green. Um, this is where you compose a log it man <laughs> I uh <laughs> no it's not Ireland I mean, um, is it Albania no uh, attempts one more uh, Finland no oh, wrong so I uh, mean this is a really I'm, simple game that I made um, I got that I got Russia <laughs> there you go uh, and you know you can see like when you play around with it it's just got a very simple text field that has placeholders in it, so you know it shows you the the width of you know the how many characters it is. Um, got a very simple logic around the fact that you have three attempts, and then if you if you have more than zero score, so it doesn't go into minuses, it will deduct a score if you do you know fail it. Else, it will add a score, um, and it just goes through it, and it's super simple. Um, I'm going through it just to, and that's why I was talking about the browser stuff because I just wanted to make a really simple uh, project. And I wanted to, in the blog post, I want to talk about like how we split up things. You know, when you've got a problem and you want to do it, like kind of think about it in the props and state way, separating what you feel should be props and what should be state and how you can you know, create smaller classes. The answer box itself is its own component as opposed to which is then used by the game. And mm. the game actually supplies the actions for what happens if you're on success or on error, uh, you know, and, and divvying up that. And I thought that would be a really interesting blog post. So, yeah, this is the game for it. I've been through a couple of interesting like iterations on it actually. Like I went through interestingly because th- there's a couple of problems which are very easy and commonplace in like things like music track shuffling and things like that, which actually I, I ended up coming and having a problem here with because say like with the flag. So my initial iteration, my, uh, my initial version, the way it got it was it got a, a random flag. It has a list of flags and then it just picks out a random one. That's fine, but what happens if I, I only want? I don't want you to get the same flag again. So what do I do? So what I, I initially did was okay. I'll, I'll oh, give it so history. You have, so you don't keep repeating the same one. That's it. You don't want to. Yeah, keep, yeah. You don't want to repeat the same one, and also you don't actually want to repeat the same one again ever. You know, you you, you want it to go through them all, and then once it's done, then it's finished the game. Like there's no point in having it again. Just change the state on scene or not? Well, or so, like uh, yeah. So well, this is it. So I store a, hi- a list of the history. So this is the history of of what you've already seen. And what then happens is it was what I did was then I had a function that was simply here's the here's the flags here's the history go through picking out a random flag 
until you haven't seen one before because you know if you pick out the flag that's already in the history pick out another flag and eventually you get it and you return your flag and you start in history that's cool that's fine i thought mm, it looks a bit messy though i was like that's that doesn't feel right to me still it looks too much code for what it really needs to be and then i thought to myself hang on a minute all i need to do is just shuffle the list if i just shuffle the flag list and pick off the one from the top then it's great like that's it that that's done and, when, okay. when, and so, yes, yeah, so what I do is, yes, yeah, so I, I get my props in which the flags. I then shuffle that, you know, do a sh- make a clone of that list, shuffle it, and I'm just popping off the top, you know, each flag. And then you only get that flag once, and it, you, you know, eventually when the list becomes, you know, empty, you're done oh, with it. And it's just solving a problem in a different way and kind of thinking of it. And it, I feel it provides a far more succinct, like, cleaner way of doing it. You get the upfront cost of obviously shuffling the list, but... For me, that intuitively make more sense than storing a history and then having to have this while loop which is going through. But it's always fun when you kind of see a problem and you solve it in one way first. But the more you kind of look into it, you can kind of simplify it. And eventually your solution gets, you know, changes. So yeah. it's, it's always fun doing that. But yeah, other than that, I mean... You, cannot, that, you can get it right down to so many few lines of code. After well, a- I mean, this is the nice thing because obviously... <laughs> so the way I was doing it was very... I was like, oh, this looks ugly. Like, especially for a blog post. Sometimes you want blog posts to look quite nice code syntaxy and things like that you want it to be mm. nice clean succinct code which is a couple of lines for doing certain things and i was like oh this doesn't look that nice there's a lot of logic in here um and i probably if you know if i was deploying this i probably would be like actually that's fine enough you know it does the problem it, you know it does the it solves us you know solves the problem at hand uh but i thought actually no let's have a look and and that's when i was like oh actually and and, and actually i'll show you so again brilliant podcasting material but people can go i'll put this in the show notes <laughs> of what it actually is but if you look at this here what this is is the this is the next flag function that I use internally in the game component, and all I have to do because I've already got the flag, so I know I need to know how many attempts you want, so I get the attempts out. Like this is the attempts, you know, this is how many attempts per flag you have. I need to get out the flags, so I've got all the flags that are in state, which is the randomized shuffled version, and mm-hmm. all I'm able to do is able to use the uh, array destructuring, which is what available in ES six, which just says get me the first flag and all the other flags, and then setting the state again is just, and this is where the nice thing is, it's just because with JavaScript uh, with ES six now. Um, when you use JSON objects, if it's the same, if the variable is equal to the same as the the key, you just have to provide it once, which is just you know the name of the variable, and it will do it for you. And then I just pass back state with flags. Uh, flag and attempts and it set the state again it's very nice and clean and yeah it's a nicer solution in my eyes and it uses all the nice syntactic sugar that's available in ES6 which is great for a, you know a blog post where you can kind of see it you know straight in straight there yeah that's cool I'll go, I'm gonna have a little look at that no it's, it's interesting I mean this is the thing with like going through iterations and stuff and like changing it because I'll show you like uh, uh, after the episode I'll show you what I did um for, you know originally and I probably should have actually keeping the, kept the history it sucks I should have kept the history I kept what I was doing was just amending the initial commit I was like actually looking back I'm like actually I should have kept the history because it was interesting like the 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 kind of iterations on it where I had the initial version I was slowly tweaking it you know to be be different you know like looking you know try and make it better make it cleaner um and that's when that's when i like code i love code where i can you know solve a problem solving a problem is always nice but it's always nice er to be able to go actually i've solved the problem how do i make this code look better or be better or act better um be more readable 
as opposed to be more just solving the solu- solving the problem. It's all part of the learning curve of anything, though, isn't it? I think that's it. Uh, absolutely. I mean, and actually, sorry, I, I'm rambling here completely. No, no, it's fine. But um, I actually released a blog post today, which I, I, I've been I've been going on yabbling on about Postgres and SQL and relational ma- databases now and stuff. And you know, I'm really getting into the relational database stuff, internals. Um, and I'm, uh, there's a couple of blog posts that I've kind of got in my uh, my eye on doing um, around these things because I do feel that you know I. I you know, you go into like your SQL and stuff and you explain, analyze, and you're looking you're like, looking at all these joins and you're like, okay, so it's using these indexes. It's not using an index. Oh, then it's using these joins and there's different joins. You know, particularly in like Postgres, we have like sort merges and then you have hash joins and then you have just, uh, you know, uh, loop joins, which essentially, you know, just going through in a loop. And I was like, okay, well, this is, this can be, pro- you can programify this. You can do simple, like, you know, and, and actually I found some very good repos on GitHub where the people have actually written um, these you know, algorithms Wow. you know in code which is simple which are very simple you know this is how you do it with an array and i thought this is great and i'm going to try and take get my do my own kind of little thing on that you know make it a little different and kind of maybe explain it in a different way because the way i understand it is a little different like you know where i think about it and maybe that helps someone who knows you know but yeah uh, so that that's kind of what's been going on there but I, I released a blog post today which is a really simple deck of cards in postgres um and essentially uh, last night i was just like i've got all these ideas for like postgres functions and i'm learning all these things so i'm like let's just try and play around with it and so as you know using so essentially i i made a deck of cards as a, as a as a cte which is a common table expression which is this with clause which allows you to essentially have temporary tables when you're running your queries um and i made it so i had a deck of cards and it had a rank and a card and i was able to use cross joins which is the cartesian product of you know using this thing uh using so you, you unnest you get string to array you split them all out which is all of the ranks you can have then you have your suits you do a cartesian product on that which is just a cross join which is just getting everything that's in the first one and matching it with everyone in the second one um so then that gives me the 52 cards which is a nice succinct way of doing it and then i'm able to use simple randomizing to get a handout of this table you know like i want to you know poke a hand maybe of five cards um and then i want the k what well, is the n choose k problem where i want all the combinations of five cards that i can get within this and i'm able to do that again with a cartesian product again with using a cross join um which is again just the simple thing where it's just getting all the rows from that all the rows from that and timesing it so you're getting all of the options but to, to get like the combination as opposed to the permutations which is which is using the where position of each card is is actually important as well makes it unique this is just a combination it doesn't matter if i get the ace of the ace of spades first before the ace of clubs you know i, I that counts as one combination with those two in that hand um i'm able then to use that with the where clause and i've shown it there really simple to get all the account of all the combinations and it was just fun like using sql in this way and kind of exploring it more and you looking more into depth of what you can do with just in sql is some of that syntax is that all sql syntax then or is some of that postgres as well so it's all it's all sql but yeah so some bits are functions that are only available in postgres so things like the string to array and the unnest yeah um, and but then the with clause is like a generic standard ctes which is a with you know with decas mm-hmm. and then there is not available in MySQL, sadly. It's uh, something that's available in other ones like Oracles and the, the MSC calls of the world. And again, like the select array, like arrays are a data type that's not available in MySQL. It's only available in Postgres, which allows you to uh, essentially, you know, treat, have a data type, which is an array, which is, you know, a composite of, of many, you know, values of the same type. 
Yeah, that's cool. But yeah, it's, it's just a complete tangent. But I just thought it's sorry, I was, I'm reading at the same time. Oh, no, <laughs> but it's fun, just kind of like exploring different things and going into these different things, and like you know, like where where I you know kind of came from with my sequel, and now where I'm at, I'm I'm, in, I'm happy, you know, with like kind of an enjoying looking at this in, in a different light, you know, you, exploring you l- it more. learning this for your own sake or is this as part of work stuff i think it's a bit, well, a bit of both really because we use postgres at work and we we do a lot of data um analytics and stuff and actually this week was my first ever venture into cohort analysis first time based analysis and i would not f- i would i would forgive you for not knowing what the hell that it meant I've, because I've i have no idea what that meant beforehand i say could- it again cohort analysis versus cohort. Time. cohort analysis yeah statistical analysis there's like four different types supposedly and one of them's cohort and another one is time-based and i can't Co- remember is the others. cohort do you mean Co- yeah c-o-h-o-r-t um and this is something that i would never have thought of before but analytics you know when we've got this big data storing this data is great but actually doing something with it is even better and more important this is where you turn data into information and yeah so big data is great trying to store it is it is fun you know like we go, oh, yeah, i can store this information but then actually doing something with it's more important and this is where sql comes in and where you know processing it now my my you know job my my, my thing is get it into code as quick as possible but it's not the best you know sql is very good at doing this job yeah um and yes yeah, so a cohort analysis essentially is <laughs> so let me see if i can try to explain it without bit acting well firstly without confusing myself again which um <laughs> it turns out it can happens quite frequently uh so yeah so cohort analysis is to so say uh within a time frame of a month um i have so i say with at this particular time so i'll say you know at the beginning of this month certain leads happen so within this time frame these leads at this time were a certain state you know they were added so we we published we we sent out these leads to certain tradesmen so mm-hmm. at this date we sent out these leads now from those leads i want a, a month window of the history of what happened to those leads what happened after a month that's co-op because what it's saying is at a certain time they shared a, 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 a certain thing uh, and wikipedia has a really good introduction a really good article like article in the details on it but at a certain time they shared a certain thing a certain you know attribute and what happened over that time so it allows you to see after a month this is what happened to those leads that were happened at that time that's fine that's great and then you get into time-based analysis, which is so slightly different, where what happens is you take a chunk of time. You can almost fig- figure it like a window, whereas before you were looking at these leads and you were saying, okay, these leads, snapshot of all those lead IDs, what happened to those lead IDs? What instead you're doing is you're getting a window and you're saying, in this month, what happened to these leads, to two yeah. leads in this month? Not what happened to specific leads, what happened to any leads in this month, essentially, because you can be like, okay, well, one lead at the beginning of the month was hired, one lead wasn't, and stuff like this. But they could be all dotted different leads. Like, you're not getting leads as specifics, you're getting just a time frame instead, which is the time base, which is, you know, they both have share, they both they both have their own merits. But I think I've explained that. I, I'm sure I haven't. <laughs> oh, I think I know what you mean. <laughs> but they, these are things where I'm opening up and I'm like, wow. I did not realise all this and how hard it is and how confusing it is and how interesting all this what is. What was the, the ultimate purpose for that then? So the ultimate purpose is, is a project I've been working on is is for an admin backend for uh, tradesman success, which is working out interesting facts about the tradesman. We've got with stats, all these you know, things, and it's helping the teams uh, to work out, you know, who maybe tradesmen that need assistance or how they're doing and things like that and aggregating all that data into actually figures that 
makes sense because again it's great having this data but it's nice you know the main goal the end goal is to have figures that actually help solve oh this person oh he seems to have a problem between this month and this month he seems to have spent more money on shortlisting but not got as much you know back or in return let's ring him up and see what's been going on and it allows you to flag these things so it allows you to give you know true insight into what's happening yeah, you're storing a huge amount of data in the first place anyway then, by the sounds of it. Well, not, you're not, literally tracking every, every not, kind no, of... I mean, it's kind of we have to track this stuff as is, but it's it's in using it in a good way, uh, you know, in an interesting way of, like, actually getting an analysis out of it. And I think for me, I've never really seen the analytic side of it all because I've, I've always been the guy who just stores it and, you know, maybe does some work on it, like little bits, but never really seen, okay, well, we've got this information, what what you know this is where that you know the business owners the people who you know they want this information back they want certain uh stats back they want to know uh, you know how many how many percentage of you know leads this guy at this time with this kind of state do and things like that and i'm like okay okay yep yeah, i'll try and do that and eventually get to a query and it's really been fun learning these things where i'm like oh ctes which is the with clause you know these common table expressions are oh, they're great for these things i'm able to kind of break up the problem into little chunks and and stuff that i'm like SQL is the best at this. You know, it was invented to do these things. Whereas what I would typically do is just try and get it all into code, which isn't the best way. Cool. So yeah, uh, Lou, I think that's been another great episode. Again, I've done the same thing. I think that's just become my tagline, you know. Overcompetent. Overconfident. Overcompetent. I'm overcompetent. I've got my word wrong. (laughs) I don't know. I'm competent. I'm overcompetent, you know, as opposed to being overconfident. Overconfidence at the end of the show. But no, I've really enjoyed it, Lou. It's been great talking to you. And um, yeah, well, we should hopefully speak to the audience next week. Have a good one. Have a good one, guys. Cheers. Bye. And was it happy programming? Happy programming. Happy coding, happy programming. Happy hacking. Happy hacking. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) Speak to you later, guys. Bye. You've been listening to Three Devs and a Maybe. You can contact us at contact at threedevsandamaybe.com or follow us on Twitter at the number three devs and a maybe.